So guys, we usually like to say this is squad goals, but unfortunately one member of the squad's a little bit under the weather today. We're sending our best to you, McGarvin. So it's Sophie and I holding down the fort. Um, I have had like many different avenues of where to start, but obviously the big news is Michael, Michael Wenu apparently fired his agent according to Mike Florio. So what do we take from it? And what do we think his future is with New England after this news? I'm hoping it's actually very good news. So I actually had a piece in um, December. I spoke with him uh, exclusively then and asked, like, do you want to come back? And in short, his answer was yes. I also followed it up. What if Bill Belichick doesn't come back? You know, what if if there's all these different changes that are expected to be made? What happens if, you know, with all that? And he said to me, he's like, I, this is the place I got my start and this is the place I want to stay. They, the exact quote was like, they took the opportunity of drafting me in the sixth round. So I always like to not necessarily prove doubters wrong, but I like to prove myself right. I always like to put my best foot forward and just prove that I'm supposed to be here and I am here. So I loved hearing that quote because I think he's vital to this New England Patriots team. And he is someone that they should be looking to bring back. Um, he, you know, they don't have a true tackle right now with Trent Brown and Wenu as a set to be free agents. And I think bringing one who back and he wants to be back, like, where's the holdup here? There shouldn't be one. No, and we'll also talk about it too, but it's the same thing with the Kendrick Bourne stuff as well. But with this one too, because when you look at the offensive linemen for free agency, obviously we've talked about some guys. I remember the, the first ever episode the three of us did, which we say, hashtag squad goals. Um, <laughs> we, uh, I remember McGarvin was very on Jonah Williams. I said Cushenberry from the Broncos just because when I looked at center depth, I was like, I don't know where else you can go. But when you look at who those marquee free agents are, Michael Williams' name is right there. It's kind of like, and I'm not, and for people to not get mad at me for saying this, it's kind of that same Chris Jones comparison when it comes to the top tier D tackle free agents. Now, I'm not saying Michael Wenu is Chris Jones. No, no, no. They're two different players, two different positions. Chris Jones is an accomplished defensive tackle. But it's just for the amount of money that they're going to get presented to them, it's, hey, do you want to stay in New England or how much do you want to stay in New England? Or are you going to go chase the money because it's out there? I hope he stays, like you're saying too. It feels like he wants to stay. I think now it's just up to management and Robert Kraft of, hey, how much money are we willing to give you? Which the money is, it's not like the money's not, not there. The money is there. Well, I mean, and they also could make some more. I mean, the expected move is that JC Jackson will be released. So when all said and done and with this new, you know, salary cap number, they could have, I think it's just under a hundred million to spend. I think it's somewhere around like 90 million. Um, within that ballpark to spend. And from Gerard's Mayo's mouth, we have heard, I'm ready to burn some cash. He, this is a guy to spend some cash on. It doesn't have, you know, I don't think he's looking for this, like, you know, max deal. But prove to him you want him in New England because he wants to be there. You need a solid tackle. He was good this year. There's no denying. He was really solid for an offensive line that was not so solid. And I think, you know, having one tackle come back rather than having to find two completely new tackles is night and day for this Patriots offense. Here's the other thing too. We know the offensive line is one of the weaker positions. And if they're going to go in with a quarterback in the draft, letting your best tackle go, it's irresponsible. You're basically setting him up for that Zach Williams. Well, Zach Williams, that Zach Wilson esque failure where I remember saying this because I know obviously this is before your before your time as a reporter when you were still you're still just a college you're still a college kid. 
That's not meant to be a bad thing. Just saying. No. Do you remember the game week seven, 2021, when the Patriots absolutely just whooped the Jets and Wilson got hurt? Oh, gosh, yeah. Because I remember in that game just seeing the whole time, Zach's running around, and I'm like, he's going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, this offensive line gives him no time, no space. And what happened? That's a game that he got hurt, and that kind of derailed their entire season. So I don't want to see the Patriots suffer that same fate, and that starts with bringing back Owenu. And also, too, with this free agency, I want to tell Patriots fans this. The same year, too, 2021. You know how it was, hey, they're going out and they're spending like crazy, bringing all the top-tier free agents. For as much as I want them to do that, and I think they'll bring in a couple, I don't think it's going to be as crazy because you have so much in-house work to be done. Uh, Yeah, I agree. But I think, you know, I've always been a big fan of Michael Wenu. Um, Every time I spoke with him this year, um, I mean, we were speaking up until, you know, the Michigan game because, you know, he's he's an alum there. So, and then, you know, when the news of um, Jim over and the Chargers, I was like, can you imagine that, you know, I've just I've spoken to him a bunch this season and through it all, like he's passionate about the Patriots and he's passionate about every team he plays for, whether that was Michigan, whether that's New England. So I think having a guy like that on your team when you're looking to rebuild is exactly what you'd want in that room. Especially because we don't I'm the only thing I will add is that we don't exact I mean, we hope David Andrews is coming back. Think he's coming back, but never you never know until training camp rolls around. I feel like with Andrews, he's one of those guys where, and we're going to talk about a certain someone in a few minutes because I have a lot to say about him. I feel like with Andrews, we would have either heard by now or it's going to happen. Like with Jason Kelsey, for example. Now, obviously, I know some the other brothers down under, there's nothing to worry about there. But for Jason, I feel like you're going to hear probably within the next two weeks because we're recording this on the 25th of February. And in 17 days, free agency opens. Mm-hmm. The combine starts in a matter of days, which... And I want to preference this too because I'm I'm actually decked out in Bauer gear right now with hockey. But I remember when I was telling my parents like, "Hey, I want to record a podcast," and they were like, "Hockey?" And I'm like, "No, no, no, football." And they're like, the "Season's over." And I'm like, "There's always stuff to talk about." So that's the other part, part, guys. Dude, we'll always still be here. But that's just the big thing with the free agency thing when it comes to the David Andrews and like the Jason Kelsey's two centers. Just because it's that are they retiring? Are they not? I think you're gonna get an answer in the next two weeks because. Their organizations are going to want to know by free agency. So it's them not only owning up to the organizations to do good by them, but it's also too for them to solidify their future so they can help their teams out. No, I agree. I, I don't know if I see him being done yet. You know, I think there would have been a little bit more talk, but yeah. the only reason I could see the waiting is um, he and Matthew Slater would be on close. I mean, there's that viral photo of Andrews hugging Slater in that last game, and he was crying. You could see it in the photo. Um, so the only reason I can see that is kind of letting Slater have his moment because Andrews is such a team guy. Um, but I'm hoping he comes back. That is a captain of all captains there besides Slater. So, um, and again, for Mayo, I think if you're not going to have Slater in that locker room, you need someone like Andrews in that locker room and losing them both in the same year would be pretty brutal. It would be brutal from a standpoint. There's a couple guys who I do look at to kind of rise up to be that locker room voice. One is Jabril Peppers. And the other, it's going to sound weird, but Dietrich Wise Jr. almost kind of seems like that kind of guy. You know, where that, like, rah-rah, bring everyone together. I want to say Judon, but Judon's just, like, you know, the fun, like, the fun glue guy. And then there's, like, the fun boss and then the serious boss, you know? Mm -hmm. That's how I view that. Um, But, no, obviously, you and I recorded Monday, Tuesday – we dropped the bomb. 
And then later in the day, there was me getting emotional on the treadmill because they decide, hey, we're going to drop this retirement video of Matthew Slater. And I'm just like, if there's everyone said it correctly, and if there was ever the perfect definition of a patriot, it's Matthew Slater. If there's anyone where, and I've said this for a while, red jacket, gold jacket, argue with a brick wall, it's Matthew Slater. Hell of a career. We wish him nothing but the best. And you're the one who got to talk to him. You're the one who's gotten to be there with him. So... What are, your, what are your main takeaways when it comes to Slater? Um, everything you just said. He is a true patriot. He is someone who just was so genuine in everything he did. He he loved that team. You know, he celebrated their wins alongside everyone, and he was with everyone struggling through those, um, those low points, especially these last few years. So, you know, I think – in some ways, I, I do think it's fitting that Slater, you know, and this was before any of the rumors started. I think, you know, most people knew this was going to be Slater's last year. It was all pointing in that direction, but it's almost fitting that he and Bill kind of go out of the Patriots together in some ways. Yeah. Um, he was so outspoken about Bill. So was David Andrews, actually, on that note, um, which could also factor into a decision. But on, on Slater, you know, he was just so appreciative of everything Belichick did. And he was, you know, yes, he was so he, the last few years was all special teams and stuff, but he was everyone in that locker room knew who he was. I, I, I asked a lot of people leading up to that last game, you know, what do you, you know, what has Matthew Slater done to you and all this? And there were guys when they wore those final sweatshirts, there were guys who ha- who asked Matthew Slater to sign the sweatshirts for them. That's how much he meant them. They were teammates. This is like, you know, going up to a celebrity and being like, can you sign this for me? That was Matthew Slater to these guys. He was, you know, someone that they just wanted to remember forever. And losing him, you know, I, I had a moment with him after that last game because, again, I had only, I've only been covering the team for one year, but I'm, you know. You're, you're covering the team. That's I'm a big born word. and raised in New England. I have never left. I have, you know, been watching Patriots games since I can remember. Um, you know, I wasn't allowed to do anything else. My dad, like, planted me in front of the TV and said, learn. Um, so. Good uh, New England father. Yes, right. Um, no, he's good. He still watches them all. So um, he did something right. But, you know, I remember talking to him and I was like, I was so scared going in this year as a reporter. You know, you're fresh on, you know, I'm right out of college. I'm going in with all these guys who've been doing it for a while. And I'm standing in a room, and one of the first interviews I ever did was Matthew Slater. And he sat there and answered every single one of my questions and was so – he just listened to everything I had to say. And we, it was more of a discussion than an interview. And he was really part of the reason where, like, early on, I was like, I can do this, you know. I feel ready to go. And that's just how he makes – he made everyone in that locker room feel. And every reporter, too. We all spoke to him, and he was always so – you know, he answered every question no matter what. Um, the tough ones too. So I can't say enough about Matthew Slater. Like there's not enough time on this podcast for me to keep going. I could keep going for a while. You know what though? I'm just going to say that though. You, it's like, Hey, it's your first year, but you, you, there's two things with this one. You cover the team Two, You give me the time while covering the team, which I know is very hard to do, which we're all very appreciative of. But when it comes to the Slater stuff, it's like you said, the fact that on the field, he was a character off the field. He was a character guy as she sips her Stanley. Um, it's just those things that you think of that are going to be missed. It's those things like his on-field play, but also to just the how do we feel about 
like the wins, like the, like those videos. Like I watch those religiously every Monday, whenever there's a win, or the random Tuesday or Friday that may whatever it may be. But it's it's going to be different. But this it's ultimately you're right. The fact that there's all these Belichickian players going out, mm-hmm. um, it's it's kind of hard to put into words on how I feel like it's going to be going forward. But we kind of now know that what we're going to see this coming year with the Patriots is going to be something very different. But when I say the whole thing about the red jacket, yellow jacket stuff, I know people like to bring up the Steve Tasker arguments of like why he's not in, but I say this red jacket, because look, he's going to be a, he's one of those guys, him, the Devin McCourty, David Andrews, when they retire, they'll be retired by the Patriots mm-hmm. gold jacket, because not only was he an unbelievable special teamer, all pro pro bowler, he's got three Super Bowls to his name. Mm-hmm. So you have all those accolades that are adding up. I'm, I don't know if, I'm not saying he's going to be first ballot or anything like that, but, and also I'll say the other thing too with that, Devin Hester getting in, I think is going to really open that door as well for Matthew Slater. Yeah. And I, I want to add, you know, Robert Kraft made this huge declaration that first game of the year when Tom Brady came back, removing that, you know, however many years to get into the, to the hall of fame for the Patriots. Yeah. Of all people to do it besides Tom it is Matthew Slater. Like this guy should not be waiting. He should, he should have had a red jacket walking out of that locker room for the last time. If you want my honest opinion, I mean, you know, yes, Tom was, Tom is Tom Brady. There's no denying that. Yeah. But for everything Matthew Slater did get him his red jacket, like right this minute. Oh yeah. That, you're not going to find any Patriot fan that will disagree with you on that. Mm-hmm. Um, But with the Patriots as well, Wednesday afternoon, look, they said, hey, you guys meet with the media. You were right there dead center. I missed the press conferences because of work, but like I, like there was two things I said because I quote tweeted you. The one was that, look, the, the, you provided very good coverage for that and everything like that. You were right there. But the other one is, I do want that golf, the golf shirt. I like the golf. So if you have any links or hookups, please. Leave, I'll, do, I'll let you know. Yeah. Let, let your friend know. But ultimately, when it comes to, I don't want to go through like coach by coach and, you know, like, oh, what did you take away from this? Mm-hmm. Which coach left you with the biggest impact coming out of those press conferences Wednesday? Oh, Jeremy Springer. That dude's so funny. He's <laughs> <laughs> got so much energy. Like, you know, you imagine like a guy who like would drink like a coffee and go for type of like vibe where it's just like so energetic. That yeah. was me. He's so excited about this opportunity. And um, we actually, so after the press conferences, all the reporters and the 17 new coaches had an off the record um, kind of meet and greet style where we just got to talk with them. And he's the guy that's going up to everyone and he's just excited. And that really came across in his, you know, when he was speaking to the media, he was asking, you know, answering all the questions and things like that. I mean, he, he even brought up, you know, Adam Vinatieri's legendary kick in the snowball. Yeah. So things like that, where it's just right off the bat, you know. Um, and then the other one, you know, obviously I have to give Alex Van Pelt some credit here too, because the way he talked about how he's planning to build this offense and, you know, you know, there's a lot of struggles. Everyone knows this offense is starting from the bottom. Like the, there's bare minimum on this offense and he has to build it up. Yep. And it was really, you know, he's talking about what he did in Cleveland and how he's going to bring some of that with him. But also, you know, he has his spin. He's ready to take here. And, you know, I think it's very, it was very exciting to hear kind of his mindset going into that. Um, the other thing I do want to mention as well was uh, Mac Jones. This yeah. wasn't in this. 
this whole point of this was not to, you know, ask him, is Mac Jones your starter next year and all that. However, it did kind of come up because he mentioned some of the players he had talked to um, when he first got the job and one was Mac. So, of course, naturally, the comp- the question came up. He will not, you know, he's not going to say, yes, Mac's my starter. No, you know, we're trading him this offseason. Yeah. All he's saying is everyone is getting a clean slate. And I do think that's important. You know, and I know people might come at me for, you know, saying like, no, Mac has to be gone or keep Mac, you know, all that. There, there's two very strong sides to that debate. But I think it's a great idea. Everyone has, you know, a clean slate with him. There's no, with Bill, it was always like this kind of extra, you know, if you ha- were already on his bad side, was it going to be worse? none of these coaches, you know, no, besides, yes, Gerard Mayo was there, but he was on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. He didn't see what went on in that, you know, in that room. So I think it's, it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do, but hearing that he, he's getting a clean slate is very good to know. So my thing with everything is like when everyone's like freaking out, it's like, Oh, he could do well. Usually he could do this at the clean slate. No one knows what's going to happen. That's why, like, I'm pretty sure Monday I said, like, this thing is just going to move at a million miles a minute this offseason. Now, obviously, look, we got through our second Sunday of no football. It's Sunday right now. Usually I have Sunday Night Football on the TV that's to my right. But, no, I'm watching the Red Wings play the Blackhawks. Um, But with the Mac Jones stuff, it's kind of like, remember when Cliff Kingsbury was hired in Arizona and they were like, yep, Josh Rosen's our guy, this and this and this. They're going to say that because it's the thing to say. You're not going to go out there and go, nope, he's gone. No, he's not this. Because in case he is there, you want to build that trust factor. You want to, like, hey, you're our guy. We can believe in you. You have the chance to turn it around. You're getting a clean slate, the past of the past. Not ultimately, like, look, I said, I was very supportive of Mac when he was drafted. I do think he probably is going to be on to greener pastures next year. But you know what? Between now and... September 8th, between now and hell, April 26th, between now and 17 days from now, these things can change because I feel like, and also I like to say this too, because you know how I talked to you, the combine's coming up in a few days and how the legal tampering period opens up in two weeks. I did the air quotes because I don't know if you know this or not, but the combine is used for agents to go in and say, hey, what's going on with my guy? Guess what? A lot of off the record conversations happen at the combine. So for all we know, there's probably going to be teams going up to the Patriots saying, hey, are you going quarterback? Is Mac available? Uh, I want to leave Bailey's name out of this because I still feel like they're going to keep him on as QB3 slash the practice squad guy, you know, that break glass in case of emergency quarterback. So with Mac, don't freak out from now, Patriots fans. So like I said, this could change in a week. But for now, he's on the team. He's still in the quarterback room. It is what it is. Yep. 100% agree. Where was I going? There's a lot of avenues this could go to. Um, I want to ask you a question straight out the flat. How much of the Taylor Swift impact do you think really impacted the salary cap? Oh, a lot. Um, I, I, there's no denying that. I mean, we knew, it, you know, the Super Bowl was the most watched telecast and all this stuff. You know, she's brought in so much revenue to, you know, they, they said it directly in that press release, the increased revenue. Okay. How much of that has been tailored? A lot. A lot of it has. And I'm not just saying this as a fan or anything like that. I have been writing about this and all that since she first, since their relationship went public. So this isn't just, you know, opinion, all that. Like I have written about the increased revenue. I've written about how Travis's, you know, jersey sales skyrocketed, how Chiefs you know, stuff was skyrocketing. 
happened because everyone wanted all these Swifties were now becoming Chiefs fans and things like that. So I really do think it had a major impact. I don't think that number would have been nearly as high had their relationship part of this season. It's really going to help more than New England. Like, look, because we all know New England's going to bump it up from, like, I think 74 to, like, 87, 88. And then plus two, if they release JC, they're probably going to be in the 90s. Um, It's going to help out those, like, teams that were kind of in trouble. Those teams where now, like, hey, instead of having to do several rolls of gymnastics, you may only have to take three or four guys and say, hey, you have to restructure them or you have to cut them. You have to go here from there. But, no, the overall impact's being felt because – and everyone like looks at other sports too and sees that they're still kind of reeling from the pandemic. Meanwhile, I remember this four, around four years ago, this like little under four years ago, four years ago, about two weeks when everything shut down. I always, the one thing I said to myself, I don't know if this was me trying to mentally keep it together or if it was just me being positive, but I always said that the NFL is going to find a way to get around this. Mm-hmm. 2020 draft, one of the most watched events. They still played in 2020 without ever having to lose money. They obviously lost money from certain things. We know the TV deals kept them alive. And now you have a product that's at an all-time high. You have the biggest singer in the world who's a fan of the best team in the league right now who's in a relationship with one of its top stars. It's just a win-win-win-win-win combination across the board. And now for all the teams that were complaining and about it, it is something to be thankful for. No, I mean, it's so true. It's, you know... It's kind of funny because, again, this was something like along with the Patriots content I was keeping an eye on for A to Z. And, you know, everyone who was like, oh, I'm so tired of hearing about it and all this. It's like, OK, now you want to hear about it because look at what happened. And I, I just think it's super interesting. And, you know, I, I did this piece right before the Super Bowl where I interviewed 19 different Swifties from across the country. who are going to be watching the Super Bowl for the first time. And just hearing how passionate they were about not just Taylor, but also football now. <laughs> because of her, it's like, no, I, I, it's more than just, you know, she's a pop star who sings whatever. Yeah. It's that she has brought this whole new group of people into, you know, the NFL world that, you know, we live in. Uh-huh. That's our lives. But for a lot of people, they don't know what's going on. You know, they watch the Super Bowl for the halftime show half the time. Now it's they're watching the game. They know the rules. They're cheering along, you know, a team, things like that, where it's just become her impact is a lot more than just showing up. That's exactly it. The people that look, obviously, there's the people who are, oh, I'm just going to watch the Super Bowl. And then there's the people that are like, which some people came to me for betting advice. And I was like, I'm so proud of you. I'm a little degenerate dad. But then there's the people who are like, you know, oh, Usher's, the Super Bowl is Usher's halftime show, where it's like those people now care about football. Now, like, look, obviously now they don't know what's going on. Meanwhile, you and I were the sick people who are still here talking about it, even though there's nothing to talk about. But for them, though, no, the impact goes beyond, it goes beyond, uh, beyond football. Sorry, I'm just getting text messages going across the screen. Um, But it goes to impact and just the impact of it all is just phenomenal for the league. And it's phenomenal for those teams that, you know, like I said, they're cap crunched, but the Patriots who aren't cap crunched, Hey, maybe now can go, you know how I always said, I think I said this to you a few weeks ago, the whole metaphor about you want to eat desserts, but you got to eat your vegetables first. They can go buy dessert. Now they can go spend money like Leonardo DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street, throwing money at the FBI agents (laughs) off the yacht. 
So if you have an ideal free agent or not even an ideal, a big wish list free agent that you would love to see in the Patriots uniform, who would it be? You know, I think the one that's a realistic target, because again, for me, it's, you know, you can make your dreams and all that, but you know, it was always like the T Higgins or the Mike Evans, but they're staying where they are. Um, I think Michael Pittman Jr. is a really solid candidate to be a Patriot next season. I think he works as a Patriot next season. And he's someone who could help fix that, you know, that need a receiver room. They need a deep ball threat. He is exactly that. We saw that last season. So that would be my pick. Like, look, obviously T. Higgins got, did get franchised. It was weird. It was like late Friday night that news came out. I was like, it's like Friday at 11 o'clock. What are you guys doing? But um, Michael Pittman's always been mine, too. I moved on to that immediately. Like, T. Higgins, it was uh, realistically unrealistic, you know? Yeah. Michael Pittman's been mine, but for, like, a realistic target. A dream target of mine, I know they don't need this, but with Josh Uche going out, how much fun would it be to have Josh Allen on that defensive line? I think it's still a possibility. I'm not going to lie to you. I've seen a lot of, you know, different reports as of late, and it's all speculation or it's yeah. all pieces. But a lot of people are saying – Josh Allen fits with the Patriots and it could be a realistic goal for them. And again, they have the money majority should be spent on offense, but they can set a little bit aside for defense. It's okay. Well, it's because like, remember Monday I was saying like, Hey, Eddie Jackson could be a target at safety for the Patriots, especially not to with Adrian Phillips and Lawrence guy on their way out. Um, Xavier Howard's a weird one. I've seen some people like, Hey, they can go do it. And then I saw who you were with the other day, Taylor Kyle's tweet, the SpongeBob, like, how are we going to tell them? (laughs) To where it's X is kind of cooked now, so I don't know if I want to go down that rabbit hole. But Josh Allen, a friend of mine sent it to me, and at first I was like, look, it would be very nice. But now it's like, hey, if they want to go spend the money, I know. And here's the other thing, too. If they go out there and draft some big free defensive free agents, or even if they draft defensive people, it's going to piss Patriots fans off. But at the end of the day, if you can build a, a league average offense, like I'm not saying – be top 10 if you can be like anywhere from like middle of the pack to like that like bottom middle of the pack like top 24 let's say mm-hmm. go from the 30s where you are now to like the 20s like the high, the, the lower 20s yeah if you can do that plus with how the defense played this past year i'm not saying they're a playoff team but they're definitely a team that when steve kornacki starts coming back on television in late november the patriot name is going to be that in the hunt graphic which then gives you stuff to write about and gives me stuff to hope about. So <laughs> that's where I'm saying it to. Plus, and also let's just admit this, Matt, Matt, because uh, I only said that because I'm pretty sure Josh Uche is gone. Like we all know it. Like how we, you were saying the other day, Jalen Mills, Josh Uche is another guy. I just think he's going to gone, go floor somewhere else. We're not going to be not like I'm not when I say it's not disappointed to see you go. Obviously, it sucks to lose people, but yeah, we all know that. Look, you go be somewhere where you can be the pass rusher. So now you can potentially have Matt Judon, Keon White, Dietrich Wise Jr., and Josh Allen as your defensive edge depth. It's pretty damn good if you're asking me. Yeah. No, I think – I definitely think that's a solid, you know, take. There's also, you know – and then the, the cornerback room is what, one of the rooms I'm most excited to see next year because you have Christian Gonzalez coming back. You have Marcus Jones coming back. Um, who Marcus Jones is such an underrated pick. I think I spoke about that last time. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to see him back. Uh, so, you know, I, th- I think this defense really does can show a lot. And 
what's going to be interesting is, you know, they're lo- they're definitely going in a younger direction. Yeah. But I don't see that as a bad thing. I actually think it's a really good opportunity for some of these younger guys to step up. You know, like Marte Mapu really started to show it the later half of the year, but not in the beginning. I'm really excited to see him put a full season together. He's a big breakout candidate for me for 2024. I'm already here to say that, especially with not even with Covington on the line, but and DC, but with Hightower's linebackers coach. Because mm-hmm. no one knows the IQ of Dante Hightower is extremely high. That's why I was wearing the jersey the other day when we were recording. Mm-hmm. But now look. Before we get into episodes three and four of the Dynasty, were you mad about how they didn't show? Like, I understand why they didn't go into depth with 2004, 2005. Would it have been nice? Yes. But I feel like you it, you just can't, and for everyone out there that's mad about it, you can't just be like, hey, here's one big swan song love, love fest for 10 episodes. Yeah. Because this coming Friday, or actually Thursday night, that's the thing too, I don't think people have been noticing. These have been dropping like... later Thursday night like this past week I watched episode three and then I watched episode four Friday afternoon Mm -hmm. and I remember I was about to go out for dinner and the ending of episode four is just trauma so just rip the band-aid off and watch it but I have to say as much as for Patriots fans you're gonna hate episode four I did find it super interesting to hear so many of those interviews I just have to say that yes it's ripping the band-aid off it's it's painful to hear all those things but like Hearing Robert Kraft's take on his first conversation with Bill after the whole thing, which I'm sure we'll get into in a minute, but yeah, that was fuck. so crazy to me. And, you know, hearing Ernie Adams say, I have things I'm going to take to my grave. Best moment of either episode. That was amazing. Like, it's like you got chills because it's like, you know, you almost forget this. Is, like, for, I'm watching this. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I almost forget this is real. This feels like it's like, you know, some movie. And then you're like, no, this actually happened. This is the team. I write about this is what I do for work and yes I didn't cover them at this point but it's like all these things I knew about the event you know of course you know it's part of my job to know but yeah I'm learning so much more because I'm hearing these firsthand accounts that haven't been released to the public before Look, but that's the thing like even to the stuff about Robin Glazer being like hands and knees in a dress and heels on a floor in an office in Gillette Stadium just bashing the tapes like also, that's the thing too. I didn't realize how long she's been with the organization for. I did not real. I thought she was like newer. I didn't realize she'd been here for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, the other lesson I learned too with the three and four is I feel like Jonathan Kraft hasn't aged. That's just me. I feel like he looks the same <laughs> when he was a kid to what he looks now. Um, but no, like even the Robert Kraft basically going into Bill's office and being like calling like when he called him a schmuck. It's just one of those things where Robert Kraft knew it was wrong. Um, Ernie Adams, that line, I say it's my favorite just because that's like the scene in The Godfather where the doors are closing towards the end of the movie where it's just nothing to see here, just move on past it. Like, the fact that they basically know, yeah, we did something wrong. Um, I know she's primarily basketball, but I really have been liking Jackie McMullen's commentary throughout the Dynasty. I know, like, because I know she's been a huge basketball reporter, but her reporting on it, it's been good to see... Um, but even to episode three, like the way it started, how it was, oh, it's AFC Championship, and then it's yeah. Super Bowl. I also did like how they brought back Bill Parcells. That was awesome to see yeah. because, and it's so interesting that the divide between him and Robert Kraft is still there. Yeah. It is still there. I mean, he had that quote that was like, you know, Robert Kraft didn't know about football, and he was trying to make decisions for me and all that. 
And it was just like, wow, he's still really upset. You know, he really, it just wasn't a good mix. It's exactly it. Um, the only thing I'll say too with the two th- episode four is I feel like it reopened a lot of trauma for Patriots fans where it's just like, because then the clip was circulating from when they went, they took that fourth down shot where it was just like, hey, and I was thinking about it, I'm like, if you take the field goal, you know, it's 17-17 and there's a chance that, hey, they go into overtime. I don't know if the Patriots win the game, but they necessarily don't do that there. Um, I even like seeing Dante Stallworth in it. But one moment that really stuck out to me just because of how funny it was, was Lawyer Malloy bitching about his hotel room in New Orleans and Belichick being, story. yeah. Just same like, story. I don't give a shit where I sleep. You 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 take you take the coach's room and then everyone's in there and just like having a well, good old time. Them walking around me like, whoa, look at yeah. this, look at this, where it's like, you know. I'm you got a walk-in way. closet? <laughs> that was so funny to me. I, I I actually like highlighted that, you know, I keep my, no- I have my notes and my quotes while I'm watching it for content and, I had that one like highlighted in every single color because I was like, this story just not even, not even to write about, just like this is a story I want to remember. I want that like frame. That story was so funny. I also get interviewing the coach of the Rams, but I feel like he basically it was like when someone doesn't get their way and they're just continually going on and on about it, where it's like, oh, and they held, they knew if they got away with it, it'd be like they get called and then they wouldn't do it and then they start doing it again. I'm like. I feel like in this moment, this is where you interview Bill. This is where you interview Tom. This is where you interview Rob, you know, Robert, excuse me. Like you don't focus on the opposition because it's just like a dampened blanket. And even to the whole story of, oh, the Rams were saying the Patriots filmed them right before their Super Bowl, which. And the other clip I'll say too that I love was Ty Laws. Oh, yeah, that's usually like easy pick. I'm like. Just had a pick six against like one of the greatest, like not one of the greatest, but like one of the like an all-time great NFL quarterback. You just yeah picked it up nonchalantly. Da, 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 da. But even to was it, it's that was the easiest pick of my life or something. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm just like, agree. You were such a good football player, man. <sighs> my my one thing with the you know interviewing the coach and him, I, I think it's become almost like a scapegoat in some sense to be yeah. like. Yeah, well, the Patriots were like doing this that wasn't allowed or doing this that wasn't allowed. Like, okay, I would, you know, I don't know I wasn't on that sideline, but I would bet they were doing the exact same thing to the Patriots once they realized the Pats, you know, if they were getting away with it, they're doing the same thing back. Again, it was like, it was Ernie said, it's, you know, we got caught, but a lot of other teams were doing it too. The one thing I'll say about getting it caught, that Jersey cop makes it look like, someone murdered someone in the building. Like, obviously, it's very wrong what they did. It's why Gay was very wrong and everything with videotaping. But just the overall... It's like, that was the darkest day at the stadium. I'm like, you're in a stadium weekly with, like, 70,000 drunken people. That's the worst thing that you've seen? Right. You're just trying to make the Patriots... Like, the only problems I had was that, and then Michael Strahan borderline vilifying the Patriots, where it's like, this is a win for America. Everyone hates them. Like, it's I'm the like, scapegoat. It's it's that same thing. It's that, you know, they became the villain. Um, yeah. They weren't before. They were the underdogs. Then they went on to win three, and everyone's like, okay, someone's got to knock them down a peg. And Spygate happens. And then you have then they bring in, you know, straight. It would have been more interesting. I think, I think Strahan's interesting, but I wanted to hear from Eli about that Super Bowl. I would have loved to have at least one or two sit-downs with Eli. Or even Coughlin, you know, Tom, like bring in Tom Coughlin for those because 
like, look, I understand why you bring Michael Strahan because he's the the voice of it all. He's the the one player that you still think of that when you think of that Giants team that really sticks out. Obviously, a lot of them do TV stuff, like two notable offensive linemen from that game. I don't know if you know that or not, but like Sean Sean O'Hara, I think does NFL Network, and Dave Deal did Fox for a while. Obviously, Antonio Pierce is coaching right now. But one thing that I did not think about until Tom said it, and it's, this is the part that stung me the most, was him saying, oh, he, that ball bounces off his fingertips. There's five Patriots right there to pick it off, and that's the game. Yeah. Tom, you're not supposed to put knives through my heart. I love you, man. Don't remind me. Like, out of all the stuff, like, the, obviously the catch is iconic. No one remembers the Plaxico Burrs catch. But as soon as he says, like, oh, yeah, you know, if that, like, bounces off his hands, there's, like, five Patriots that are ready to pick it off. I'm just like, oh, Jesus Christ, for the love of God, why? Like, at the same you, know, time, I, you know, teams are saying that about the Atlanta Super Bowl when mm-hmm. Edelman made the miracle catch with, you know, three Falcons around him and the ball didn't, somehow didn't touch the ground. It's it's the game of football, and I that's why I love that game. You know, like, obviously I didn't love that game, you know, watching watching the Giants beat the Patriots after the perfect season, but – at the same time, those are the plays that you just, you know, as someone who just loves the game, you you have to appreciate because it's like those are the one in a million type of catches that rarely happen. But in these big games, when everything's on the line and it just kind of falls into place, it's like, wow. So when I say that, it's more like when your parents tell you something you don't want to hear. Yeah, That's okay. what I'm comparing it to with Tom, where it's okay. like when it's. Yeah, hey, no, you're not allowed. Sophie, no, you're not allowed to go out tonight. (laughs) That's what it is. Like, it's my parents being like, oh, hey, yeah, like, stay home tonight. Don't do this. That's what's like, God, are you kidding me? Um, No, like everything said, too. But the other thing I'll say as well, because McGarvin and I did bring this up. um, It may have been a couple episodes after when we were recording. Like, not one of the times where it was you, him, and I, but... Because I remember 42, It like, I don't remember it hurting as much. I obviously, like, because... I'm not the Patriots fan that I am now, but I'll tell you this, 46 for me hurts more than 42. Yeah. Because that was the second one. That was, like, I could see with Niners fans, like, the last one was, hey, this and this, but then this one stings more because it's like, you're the team that's supposed to win. This is your redemption story, and that team once again rips your heart out. And also, too, because with 46, that was the game where nothing went right. Yeah. Like, nothing went right. Meanwhile, with 42, it just, it came down to one miracle play that goes down in Super Bowl infamy happening. No, it's very true. I'm and I'm excited to see how they, you know, handle they handle that one on the show. Maybe that's when I'll get my Eli interview. Who knows? I think you 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 it would make sense it would not make sense not to have him in there. The one that I've been excited for this since I heard about that they go into detail with this, but it is for episodes five and six, what they're going to cover with Hernandez. Yes. Like, I'm excited. Yeah. To, I know it's a very, because for, and I hate to do this, he is one of my biggest what ifs in the history of the New England Patriots. He probably would have helped this team. I think they win a Super Bowl before the, they go either year, either, well, actually, no, it was only one year between when he got arrested to when they made it again, but. Mm-hmm. There's an arguable case that he could be up there for one of the greatest tight ends of all time. There's the arguments of the Boston Tea Party is one of the greatest tight end duels of all time. So it's going to be very, I don't want to say excited just because obviously, look, the events that happened were very sad, but it's just, how do you say this? 
it'll be interesting to see how it's handled. Bingo. These are yes, I, I I completely agree. I will, you know, again, I will have the content ready to go early. I will watch. I'm still trying, you know, I have the early access, but I'm still trying to keep on the two episodes a week um, rather than watching it through because I want to, you know, I want to have time to digest each episode that I watch and be able to truly, you know, whether it's going back to watch each one and everything. So I think that will be really interesting to see how that whole thing is handled. I mean, there's a lot with that. Um, that was a huge, huge storyline in New England for that whole time. Not just, you know, it was even after he was put in jail. It was that, you know, everything was, okay, the Patriots do this, Hernandez is in jail, and this is what happened. So it's, it will be super, you know, it, it's such a sensitive topic, but it's something that any, you know, all Patriots fans remembers happening. Like, I remember that time happening. So... I don't know if you watched the Swamp Kings documentary that came out in the summer. The no. the Florida it's the Florida Gator one on Netflix. Highly recommend, by the way. Oh, I've heard of it. Yes, I, I have not gotten a chance to. So a lot of people were so I liked it because I don't know much about the I, like I'll be honest with you in the mid two thousands when I was like entering my teenage years was I a big college football big fan? No. So I I knew of the Florida Gators at that time and Tim Tebow and everything like that, but I don't follow college football as closely as I do now. So with me, I just like watching the stories, but I understood why a lot of people were pissed because they basically did what we thought. I think a lot of Pats fans thought the dynasty was going to be where it's just a love letter. People, like, that's what it was. It was a fluff piece for the Florida Gators. I'm more interested to see how they're going to cover the Hernandez stuff because I feel like they're going to go into more depth details. Because even if, for people out there who don't remember, Robert Kraft testified during this trial. He did. Robert Kraft went on the stand, so... And also the fact, too, that, you know, they right away, hey, return your return his jersey if you want. Like, return his jersey and they'll give you a free one. Um, like I said, too, 87, 81, same sort of thing. But more than hearing, like, Kraft and Belichick talk about it, I want to hear, like, Gronk and Tom talk about it. Because yeah. obviously we know we're going to start to get our Gronk fix in this documentary. And I also hope, like, we hear Ty Tower just because I like seeing all these, like, old names come out of the woodwork. But the one piece I'm still very excited to see is that Danny Amendola quote where he basically comes out and says, we weren't playing for Bill, we were playing for Tom. I want to know the context behind why he said what he said. I, I completely agree because that's been something that they they used in every promo was that one quote. Um, but there's – it's super interesting because I think what I found from Spygate was, like, the team rallied around Bill mm-hmm. during that time. I mean, you know, you talk about – I've seen some things that it's like, this is all like, um, you know, I think it was a piece that was like, it's a kill bill. And obviously I haven't watched all of it, but not yet. But I at least think that that episode, well, you know, this whole Spygate scandal was a bad look for Bill. What was so amazing to me was how this team rallied around him. Um, It was after that first game when they got the win. It was against the Chargers right after the win. And they were in the locker room and Teddy Bruschi yells how do we feel about playing for bill belichick and then you get the resounding oh yeah that to me was such a clutch quote because it was like these guys they were annoyed yes they were pissed that it was happening you know robert Kraft was pissed but he still protected his coach yeah so it's you know yes they were upset in the moment but this is the guy that they've you know that has won them three super bowls already this is the guy that they know can do it they don't you know they're not thinking that they're th- they know that those three wins weren't because, you know, maybe there was a videotape somewhere. 
No, those three wins were because they were good teams and they had a good coach. It was also the fact that they were just, oh, hey, we're not just going to beat you. We're going to step on our throats and we're going to take your money and we're going to beat you. And then after every game, what was Teddy doing? Another one bites the dust. Just Oh, that scene was so good. Just and I also love seeing like the old school, just like iPod, like iPod yes. on the old dock too. And I'm like, that brings me back to childhood. Thank you guys. Oh, that was so good. Oh. What I will say also with the Spygate episode, what was super interesting was when they interviewed Patrick Ar- uh, Aramani, the New Jersey State Police, you know, guy that was then yeah. in charge of security at the Meadowlands. That was such an interesting perspective. Um, I wish he, they had put in a little bit more about, like, the police work that went into that. Or, like, you know, it was kind of just like, oh, I was informed and this is what I did. I would have liked to hear a little bit more from him on that stance and, like, you know, in that moment. But I did think it was an interesting perspective to give where it wasn't oh, all these, like, Patriots people or it wasn't someone from the league. It was actually someone who was, like, in the Meadowlands that day in charge of security. Uh, the part that laughed at me was when they were showing right they were showing Jets fans, and then you see the one guy with like this green underwear with like Jets on the butt of it. But with the Patrick Armani stuff, like the only thing I was saying where I was like it kind of annoyed me was the whole him going like obviously, like I said, it was a wrong thing that they did, but it was the whole you know this has been the worst thing we've seen in the history of the stadium. I'm like, okay, you're fluffing it a little bit, but because they could have easily interviewed someone from the Jets. Um, I also didn't realize too, like how much that broke uh, broke Belichick because I feel like that broke Belichick to the sense where you, we got the curmudgeon from him, but also too it broke the Eric Mangini trust factor as well because like how they go into details of how they were so close and then Eric basically ratted them out. Like, well, it's so interesting, and I, you know, I think what was it Scott Pioli said it best that it's yeah. like the unspoken rule is when you leave the family, you leave the family. You, you honor the opportunity that was given. You don't make a mess. You remember how you got your first step in the door. You don't make a mess. And, you know, he, he could have said something if it was that big of a deal before, if, if it, this had been going on before. But, no, he waited and he did it because he knew it was at a time when it could benefit him. Um, and he knew it was, you know, his team wasn't going to win. It wasn't like they won that game because of that. Um and yes, videotaping was very wrong, but I do think, you know, what Bill said, which was like, you can sit the press box and see it all yourself. Um, they should not have been videotaping. Totally agree. But at the same time, like it, it is open. It's not like, you know, it's that you can't see. So I think that it was super interesting. Like he was so close with Eric. That was yeah. really, really emphasized. So of course he was feeling betrayed and, you know, you get this cold Belichick persona where, like, did he really trust anyone in the organization throughout these last few years? Like, who was he turning to and all that? And, you know, I think it was, like, Josh for a little while, but it was – and Matt Patricia. But it's, like, who did he, like, really trust after that? It's really interesting to see, like, kind of how he shifts a little bit. Um, he's so open with the media, too, I notice. Like, he's still the same Bill, but he's making a few more jokes here and there. And then from where I know him with the media, it's, like, you know, rarely a joke. <laughs> so I, I feel like a lot of these incidents just like totally hardened him and just made him like I can't trust. That's exactly it. To where I feel like besides Bergerian, I don't really know who's been able to trust because there has been a lot. Of, yeah. Like he he was the one constant. Obviously now he's at Boston College, but um, Bill Brian. Yeah, comes from Bill to Brian because out of constants, like I only say Bears' name just because obviously he's the one that was there from the entire Belichick era. Obviously Ernie Adams left the organization after twenty twenty after the twenty twenty one draft. But 
it's just so interesting how a couple series of events really shifted the whole perspective of the Patriots because now it's this whole, if they don't get caught or, you know, even how McGarvin referenced the lean years, like that's the thing we're going to see now. Cause like with episodes five and six, we're going to see Tom's ACL tear probably go into detail. I don't have a detail about the 2009. You could actually, you know what? Yeah. Go 29, 2009, 2010, because you got upset by the Ravens and then 2010, you have this 14 and two year Tom's MVP unanimously and the jets come into your building and beat you. And then you go back to the Super Bowl and what happens, which I pray to God they focus on the AFC Championship game with the Billy Cundiff kick because I remember getting ready to go to overtime. And when he missed, I could not believe it. 18-year-old me was very happy. Um, so the rest, how they've been doing the documentary so far, look, I, I've enjoyed it all. I'm probably going to have to go back and watch it back again just because I want to really, like, get the true feeling behind it, like how you are just for, like, no to comparisons, but also too for, per, per, for my own personal preference as well when I talk about this. Um, but all in all, too, I even like how we come on a few days after each sets of episodes there and getting to talk about it. And one thing that's gotten me to think about doing, and I want to wait until episode 10 to do this, is like a top five or a top 10 for players throughout the dynasties. Like I could already pencil in like a hand, like I, you keep hearing about a handful of guys where I'm like, who really left their mark over these last 20 years for in the history of the New England Patriots? Like, the list is substantially big on field and even off field. Yeah. There's one who I don't know if it's like, you know, top five, top 10, whatever it is, but there's one player who had such a big impact in that, in that um, Spygate game that we have not mentioned, and that's Randy Moss. <laughs> has to come up. And I have to shout out that first conversation he had with Bill because it was he was going in a club. Bill calls him and he and Bill's like, "Hey, Randy, it's Coach Belichick," and he's like, "What?" and then hangs up, thinking he's getting a prank call. So Belichick's thinking, you know, and I'm looking like these are direct quotes. He's thinking, you know, who is our, um, you know, is this a pr- or, um, sorry, I'm lost it. Oh, he said I'm. I went okay. Maybe he doesn't want to come to New England. So then I called him again. So it's in the hello, Randy. This is Coach Belichick, and Moss is like, "Who the hell keeps playing on my phone? Thinking he's pranking me." <laughs> But then Bill goes, I just want to let you know, this is Bill Belichick and we traded for you. But then after this whole like kind of joking thing, Bill's like, okay, be at the facility at 10 a.m. tomorrow. <laughs> like no joking, nothing. Um, and then Moss's reaction was sitting at a table with his Corona up. He goes and screams, I'm going to be a Patriot. Um, and then you see everything he did with Tom and how those two just connected so well on the field. You know, you t- you know, we're talking about the receiver issues in the Patriots. And then you watch that that episode and it's just like that's the knife to the knife to the heart right there it seems like how well those two connected and you know tom would just look at him and be like go and then he just connect with him every time and it's you know you don't get you don't see that very often it just sucks that the one catch that you desperately needed was the yeah. one that out of every catch of the year is the one that they didn't get was the you know the just off the fingertips yeah. the one that like ultimately lost in the Super Bowl. But yeah, that first Jack game where it's just like, okay, they got something cooking. And then you just see it game after game. The Charger game too. Uh, they didn't show it on the highlight pack. Oh, they showed a little bit of it. But the game against the Buffalo Bills where they went into Orchard oh. Park, 56-3 to win. Like, that was the game where I was just like, God damn. Like, that's <laughs> that's where it gets very, very – that's that was where it was very impressive because that's the thing to think about too is 
that and even like you're we see like hey it's like hey there's Wes Walker because they only focus really on Moss and Stallworth throughout that episode so yeah. it's gonna be interesting to see how Walker gets acclimated into the documentary how these other players that eventually like obviously we know Gronk's coming we know Amendola's coming we know Jules is coming but it's just so interesting to see all these different players aspects on their own side of things yeah yeah no I, I completely agree and I think that's why this documentary is so successful is it's so many different voices that we're finally hearing from, you know, there's, this is less significant, but it's, you know, when you get to the Super Bowl with the Malcolm Butler benching and you get to hear from Malcolm Butler himself, talk about it, you know, things like that, where it's, I don't think, you know, from what I, what I know about that, what, from what I've seen of that episode, though, I have seen a little bit of that clip. Um, Not much is given away, but you get more than you were given. (laughs) during the time, which is always important within the Patriots. So just being able to hear these firsthand accounts and because they're watching all this back too, you know, there are things I'm sure they forgot in the moment. Um, But that first episode, you see all those old clips of Tom Brady when he first got drafted. It's amazing to see because he's this guy that's so put together now, you know, like always working out, eating so healthy. Like I won't touch sweets type person, but this is a guy who was like, you know, sitting at at Ty Law's old crib and, all this stuff. So it's just very fun to see. It, it has been. And it's just, it's just going to keep getting, it's just going to keep getting better and better. Obviously the next couple episodes are going to be, I don't want to say tough, but they're going to be, they're going to be interesting watches. And I feel like for the Patriot fan out there who, Hey, may not have followed the game as closely as others, or like in your case, where it's the reporting factor, they're going to get the, the curtains going to keep opening and opening. And even too, for those people out there that, Hey, are watching it because I've seen a lot of people tweet about it where they're just like, Hey, I hated the Patriots dynasty growing up, but this documentary is amazing. Crowd, they're gonna really, really get that curtain peeled back for them. I'm, I'm excited to see that for other people of other fans of other teams. 100% agree. But anyway, as always, one of the best continuity chats in the <laughs> podcast game. Sophie Weller with me for episode 283. 284 is coming. We got another Patriot person coming in. It's not Sophie though. It's Alex Barth. We did confirm. He's but, awesome. That is a good guest. Uh, I'm going to give a little bit behind the scenes away once I found out about the press conferences because it was supposed to happen last week. I messaged him saying, if we want to move, I completely understand. And he was like, yep, no way it's happening last week. So Tuesday night will be Alex and I chatting it up. Sophie will be back next week when we talk about episode five and six and more past news. But anyway, Sophie, it was a blast as always getting to chat with you. And folks, yeah. oh. I was just going to say, see you back for episode five and six. <laughs> Let's end it there. See you guys back for episode five and six. Have a good night, everyone. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.